Hi, I'm Alex Jump, and this is Focus on Health, a podcast dedicated to discussing and bringing to light the fundamental issues surrounding health and wellness in the food and beverage industry. This week, my guest is Chris Patino, a longtime drinks professional. He has spent his career championing brand education and uplifting the food and beverage industry nationwide. These days, Chris lives in San Diego with his wife and three children and is currently battling cancer. To help him and his family in these difficult times, you can donate directly to the Chris Patino Hero Fund with another round, another rally, or you can head over to Mover and Shaker to buy an iHeart Patino hat. Hi, everyone. I'm Alex Jump, and this is the Focus on Health podcast. Today, I have Chris Patino here with me. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm good, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I'm good. Thank you for joining. I know that, uh, you know, life is pretty crazy for everybody right now. And um, I appreciate you finding a little bit of time to chat. Isn't it just, yeah, this (laughs) is just, what a year 2020 has been. And I feel like every, every week, I feel like it's that, that scene from 30 Rock where Liz Lemon is like, boy, what a week. And then Alec Baldwin's like, Lemon, it's Wednesday. But that's been like, (laughs) like all year long. Um, yeah, I, I keep using the Groundhog's Day reference, you know, the, yeah. the movie with Bill Murray, and this is more like the year-long version of that movie. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, we, can, we can only hope that something good comes out of it at the end, some lesson learned, you know? I think so. Uh, you have to believe that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I, I read through your bio, which is like the most awesome bio I've, I've ever seen. It's so cool. Um, just you're so in depth and I really love it. And you're, you know, I guess what I pulled from all of that is you're really like a do it all guy when it comes to your career. You are the co-owner of the acclaimed bar and spirits retail shop raised by wolves. You are the founder of simple serve, a trade focused marketing agency and the founder of bartenders weekend in San Diego, along with your good friend, Eric Castro. Um, what a cool guy. He's awesome. <laughs> He's all right. Um, He's all right. And, you know, on top of all of that, uh, most importantly, you're a father to three absolutely adorable children. Um, yes. So you're, you know, you've got a family, you've got all kinds of different businesses, um, you know, and, and that brings up my first question for you, which is, I feel like you're probably the most qualified person in our industry to talk about work-life balance. Um, okay. This is something that's, you know, really, really important to me as I've, you know, started coming up in the industry. And I think, you know, it's more important to me because I realized this past year that, uh, that I didn't have work-life balance, uh, really in any sense of the word. Um, you know, I'm sure that there are times when it feels absolutely in an insane and impossible. Um, are there lessons that you've learned along the way of your career as far as like maintaining work-life balance or are there lessons you've learned in the serious issues of not having it? Um, you know, where do we even start? Oh, it's, that's a good question. And to be honest with you, I mean, it, it's not something I've always had, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think work life balance is a, is a learned attribute and, you know, we're all young. We all start young at least. Um, and we feel invincible and we're indestructible. And then one day you wake up and you're like, where did the time go? Um, and I, and, and who am I now? Um, and you know, in my early days, uh, in the spirits industry for sure, whether it was bartending or a sales rep or an ambassador or, you know, the work I did with, uh, with Pernod Ricard, you know, 
I felt indestructible as well. I, I thought I was young and invincible and, you know, you, you, you're, it takes a toll on you. And so I think the point I'm trying to make is I haven't always had the allure or, or just that, uh, that work-life balance that is perceived that I have now. Um, and it really started when I had my first child. That like changed everything, right? And as it does for anyone who has kids out there, especially in the service and hospitality industry, um, you know, you find a greater purpose. You start worrying about things that you didn't normally or worry about in the future, such as your health and <laughs> th getting things like life insurance together, yeah. and, you know, um, and, and, and scheduled meal times and shared responsibility of raising this, mm. this beautiful child, um, and so I really think that's when the light switch went on for me, uh, because before, you know, I had lived in New Orleans and I lived in New York and I had a, a ginormous expense account. You know, we can get into that mm -hmm. later um, that, you know, it, it kind of uh, your, in, your inhibitions, it takes them away a little bit. And um, and so to have this beautiful life in front of you uh you really kind of take a deep look inside and you know for it, bartending was such a small part of my career that it never i was young and it didn't matter right sure. I, I, as far as you know it, it mattered but you know I, it, like i said i was young and so and i went then from there into like a sales kind of position with um with one of the big distributors and so for for me like the work-life balance kind of came along the way as well with each step in my career. Mm -hmm. And so in addition to having kids, which will do it to you, it's like getting more responsibility will also help to foster the need for work-life balance. Because if you don't have that balance, you will not succeed. You know, it, Absolutely. It, uh, it, <clears throat> it's, it, it's, it's nearly impossible. And don't get me wrong. I've seen people do it, but they are not happy. They are not healthy. Um, they're almost just going through the motions at some point uh, once, once they reach a certain level, whether that be a level within a bar or hospitality group, you know, rising to GM, beverage director, what have you, owner, God forbid, everyone wants to own a bar, but I'm telling mm -hmm. you, like, it's, <laughs> it's not easy, you know, and it's yeah. not glam, it's not glamorous. Uh, it's, it seems glamorous when you don't own a bar, um, you know, but, but there are, there are joys to find in bar ownerships. Don't get me wrong. I, I think it's totally worth it, but you really have to sit down and kind of do that soul searching to, to make sure what you want. And the other thing that I think is very important and that I've been able to do along the way is not only find like good mentors and associate yourself with good people, like find those people that do what you want to do and like and do it well and do it well. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and forge those relationships but then more importantly than that is set goals for yourself, right? Like don't assume that things are just going to happen and don't assume once you get to a certain spot that the next thing is going to happen. Um, you know, I, I was in this business early enough to the point where I, I was lucky to help forge my own way in a lot of, in a, in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. Um, I, there, there were, there were several times, especially within, the structure of Pernod Ricard, where I actually got to create my next job. It didn't exist in the industry, you know? Right. Um, and now something that I believe that I helped pioneer, which is this director of, you know, brand advocacy or trade advocacy, that wasn't a job. I helped pioneer that. And now every company has one, you know? Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point, which is, you know, asking for what you want, you know, setting goals and not being afraid to ask for it. I'm a big believer in that and not, you know, you can work really hard and hope that people recognize your hard work, but you can also, you know, be a little vulnerable and ask for it. Um, You you, you do and you should, but you should also be prepared to hear the word no. Yeah. and, And that's a hard pill to swallow as well. And once you hear that word, you need to kind of really uh, take an internal look and, and determine how to get to yes, because mm-hmm. the, the no might've been a fleeting moment. It might've been the wrong time to ask the question. It might've been uh, a scenario that was out of your control or was it you, or was it things that you are not displaying that, that they were looking for in terms of leadership or, you know, skill set or the next level. And then from that point, you have to take a, like I said, a real hard look at yourself and, and you have to ask yourself tough questions and you have to ask yourself, Am I willing to invest in myself to get to that next level? Am I willing to invest in myself enough to change my behavior so that it becomes more of a, of a model of what they're looking for in this organization? Or the answer might be, maybe this isn't the organization or group for me. Right. Yeah, you know, and if you're not doing that, if you're not asking yourself, you're not having those conversations with yourself or with your close peers, then you're not doing it right. Right. Well, you bring up a really important topic, which you know, is investing in yourself. And you, you kind of like mentioned it earlier when you talk about like getting into higher roles, like being in management or, or ownership or whatever it may be. And, and when you think about investing in yourself, you know, this is something that I've, you know, learned this past year in particular in the last like year or so, two years, maybe um, in that sometimes investing in yourself or becoming like learning to become a better manager or a better owner or whatever it may be is like, is actually believing that your team can do the work, do the work, you know, that you don't have to hold their hand or that you can, uh, you know, you can actually take time off that you don't have to work 80 hours a week to accomplish the job. Um, which all, you know, does circle back to like this concept of work-life balance. It does. And until you're, until you're willing to let go, until you're willing to trust in the people that you hired to do a job, to trust in the people on that are a part of your team, to trust in the structure that you help create or that you're a part of, you will never have that work-life balance, you know. And yeah. I, that that was also for me because I I I tend to be one of those I, I'm a doer, right? And mm-hmm. and you know, especially early on in my career, there were always those instances where I would get frustrated and just do it myself. Yeah. And without even giving a chance to the person. Or people that I was, you know, working with, or, or, um, you know, had, had tasked, and that's wrong too, because the better approach is to take the time to teach, and to mm-hmm. and to invest in your team, so that you can, again, go on to do other bigger, better things or self-preserving things. Because if you don't, you never will. It is hard. It's hard to yeah. kind of cut that cord and and take that leap of faith. But if you hire the right people, if you surround yourself with the right people, um, it gets easier. And you also have to be willing to help them get to that point as well. Like you can't just assume that they have the skill set, but could they have the skill set? How do, how do we help develop those skills? Right. It's, it's so, I'm really glad that we've found ourselves at this point in the conversation. I actually had like written down a lot of thoughts on literally exactly what we're talking about. And, you know, I think we've all been, the person who's overly controlling when it comes to managing a team, I think about it a lot. And I think that a lot of it is just because of the nature of being 
in the food and beverage industry. Like, I think that a lot of people that run really successful programs end up where they are because we're a big group of perfectionists, right? Mm -hmm. Like we want things done a very particular way. Um, And that's great because it it means that we put out really incredible products, but it also is not great because it means that we're often not fostering healthy work environments and um, safe work environments where people um, are allowed to try. And also more importantly, they're allowed to fail. Um, And I think that this concept of like failure, especially in our industry where we're, we're competitive, like for one, you know, like there's bartending competitions, there's the best of best of lists. There's all these things that create this nature of competition. Like that's really, really damaged the idea of being able to fail. Well, Um, I think, I think you make, you actually just made a really good point. And I think one of the other things you have to learn like is like you have to take the me out of the equation like uh, you know w- when we're all kind of young or like you said in this industry is in a lot of ways and again we're talking about the top like five percent of the industry here um this, mm-hmm. this, this little microcosm of a bubble that we live in where everybody knows uh-huh. each other and in you know it's the same bars on the same 50 best list every year and it's the same people mm-hmm. in the same competitions every year and like it it, it it's, it becomes almost a rat race to the point where if you make this too much about yourself, you'll A, never be happy, and B, ultimately, you will never win. Um, right. And I think that's important. And that's a lesson I learned as well. I learned this lesson. It took me a long time because I was in that same boat of, like, chasing after Tales Awards and, you know, uh, anything else I could get in terms of PR that, you know, my team wasn't getting, or you know, and all these things along the way uh, and it eats away at you. It like, it, it actually, it mm-hmm. actually makes you a miserable person. Um, and, and that's kind of the detriment of, of these types of things and these types of accolades. I wish there was like a more positive way to re- reinforce success and, and good behavior. And, you know, I'm not saying that everybody deserves a participation trophy. I'm, I'm not, I'm not that type of person, but <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it really wears on you. And, I mean, I'll be completely honest. It took me, it took me even till recently. Like this was kind of an epiphany I had after getting cancer, which is something I'm dealing with, of course, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, put that on top of a, a, a COVID in 2020, you know, it, it makes things really interesting from a, from a work-life balance perspective, but right, um, yeah. and we can talk about that. But the, the thing is the change that I saw in myself was almost this, like immortality this like this air of being human and being okay with it and I, I I my whole outlook changed and my whole like if you ask me what I'm most proud about now in terms of what I've done within the spirits and hospitality industry it's the legacy of people that I've either brought into this business or this world or left behind those that that's now everything that I champion it's it's so much not about me and I wish people could I wish I had realized this earlier on I think it would have made me a better manager or maybe a better leader would have made me a better person um, but once you realize that there's there's more to this and how interconnected we are uh, as a society as an industry and how important these these human and emotional connections are like your outlook will change and you will become happier you will become more successful um, and you and you will live better. So I, that's yeah, just absolutely. something I want to challenge and, and encourage everyone to to try and find within themselves. I love that. 
I, yeah. And I couldn't agree more. Um, you know, and one thing I wanted to ask you about was, you know, prior to opening Raised by Wolves, you, as you've already mentioned, were the national brand ambassador for Pernod Ricard. Um, and that came a lot with a lot of national recognition. You know, you, you did make the list for brand ambassador of the year for tales and, and, you know, like the bartender to watch lists and things like that. And um, as a person who, like I personally have struggled with anxiety my whole life. One of the things I've encountered through my career um, as I've started working for, you know, like a nationally recognized uh, or an internationally recognized bar is this weird feeling of the imposter syndrome where I feel like I'm not qualified for the jobs, even though I've earned them. And as I already mentioned, asked for them, Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, is this something that you've experienced? And I know that obviously, like you just said, your outlook is so different now. And, and I'm, I love that. Um, but, you know, I think, I'm sure that people listening to this have felt that way too, you know? Yeah. Um, and then even, even more importantly, you know, like you, I'm had to make the decision to leave a very secure brand ambassador job to take a chance on yourself. Um, and were there ever times when you wondered if you were like making the quote unquote right decision um, by taking that chance? Well, first of all, the good news is imposter syndrome is, completely normal and natural and you do deserve to be where you are so I want to recognize that for you right now so that you don't have to do that anymore okay Um, (laughs) thanks and and yes it happens to everyone and it happens to me several times throughout my career a lot of it stems too to this kind of language that we use and that we've established within the industry and um, first and foremost you know Early on, it, it didn't really matter being a bartender or the brand ambassador career. When I first entered that kind of arena was so new that it was widely accepted. But then all of a sudden, years later and more brand ambassadors and more brands getting involved in that space. And it became something that was almost chided by certain f- sectors within the business, you know, and it's the same thing you have with like bartenders who want to be called mixologists and, and mixologists who don't want to be called bartenders. And mm-hmm. like, it's, it's this language that we create and, you know, almost like these feelings of like, Oh, well you were a bartender, but now you're a brand ambassador as if suddenly you're a different person and you've, right. and you've, you've forgotten everything that you learned in the hospitality days or you, you've changed, you know, and, and maybe some people do, but at the end of the day, it's like, all these things and these, the way we treat each other and the language we use help to build and build and build against these kind of feelings. And that's, I think, where the second guessing comes from. You know, it's, it's, it all starts in that kind of like rumor mill where it's like the, those, those whispers of, you know, you think people are talking about you. They're probably not. You know what I mean? Uh, they're all talking, but they're thinking about themselves. Yeah, and, and, they're, and, they're, themselves. and they're probably very happy that you are where you are or that I am where I am. Yeah. But, you know, it's that self-doubt that's human that drives us. I, I think if, if we didn't have that, that would be a bigger problem. Um, but, yeah, sure, I've had that. I've had that at several instances along the way. Um, you know, it, one case, if I had to make like an exact point, it's like I got I got nominated and in the top four for like Wine Enthusiast Magazine's Mixologist of the Year a few times, and as not being a bartender, as being a, a brand ambassador, and that felt really awkward because 
I'm like, well, I'm not a bartender. And they're like, well, yeah, but the judges picked you and you're nominated. Now, thank God I didn't win because that probably would have like created some kind of Facebook avalanche. <sighs> but um, but when you start thinking about it, it's like, well, okay, it's not it doesn't say bartender of the year. It says mixologist of the year. And, you know, a big factor of my job at Pernod Ricard during that time was to create drinks. I was not serving mm-hmm. drinks to customers, although we did have a company bar that that was part of the job to man that bar from time to time whenever we had com- company functions and things like that. But I was making cocktail recipes, developing drinks for nationally or globally recognized brands that were going to end up on billboards or neck tags or shelf dockers or in TGI Fridays or cheesecake factories. Or so it's like, so at what point is like, yeah, I guess, I guess that does kind of tie into the job a little bit when again, it's all about the language used. Right. So I had those conversations with myself and I ended up being okay with it. I'm also super okay that I didn't win. Um, Mm -hmm. And that great people did, you know, I was just happy to be a part of the conversation as I think Julie Reiner always says, when it comes to things like tales awards, it's like you make it to the top 10 or the top four, even if you don't win, you're doing things right. You know? Um, Right. And and that's what I think you just have to kind of keep encouraging yourself that positive reinforcement. That's the way to kind of get out of that hole. Now, a time when I took a leap of faith, was four years ago after my second child was born little Rocco out in New York and I took one look at my wife and I was like we can't we can't sustain this lifestyle anymore like I'm traveling 75 percent of the time we've got two kids in a super expensive apartment in a super expensive city yeah and what do we do and so I I took a gamble I bet on myself that I could start a company and start doing essentially what I was doing for companies like Pernod Ricard, but start that company and that business for myself and still work with those brands and maintain those relationships and use maybe some of the goodwill that I had built over the years and parlay that into a company. And here we are, you know, four and a half years later that I've done that. Now it wasn't easy. Um, sure. In the first year was terrifying. And I will tell you this COVID year has been terrifying uh, until recently, We, you know, but um but it was something that I had to do that I had to try. And I had the confidence in myself enough to know that even if I failed, I would be okay. I would end up mm-hmm. somewhere else. I could figure something out. And I think, you know, I think you have to, and, and you have, but the, the most important thing to do is be prepared, right? To like, don't just, God, you know, it, it's, it's really hard to just flip, you know, the switch and, and, and start something day one. I mean, uh, I was, I was thinking of SimpleServe and helping to build out this business model, you know, probably during my last year with Pernod Ricard, you know, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. something that I just said, all right, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm just going to do this. <laughs> yeah. You know, here we go. <laughs> it reminds me of Simon. From yeah, it reminds me of my good friend and, and, and former boss and even mentor Simon Ford, you know, the 86 company. He didn't just leave Pernod one day and start the company. The company had, had roots and, and, you know, he had been, doing everything in his off hours to, to, you know, pursue a dream uh, that, that he's made a reality. And so that's, you have to put the work in. That's the thing. You can't just do it. You have to be smart about it. You have to use those resources, talk to people that have done it before, talk to people that are in positions that you envy your work for companies that you uh, align with, you know, and, and, and start forging that plan and building those relationships so that when you do leave um, there, there's a path, you know, and, uh, and I got very lucky uh, on my journey because um, 
I, I, I left Pernod with a client and that was for me the best case scenario. Um, it was, uh, it was the good folks at Avion Tequila that as I was leaving, literally, you know, walking out the door, they, they, they approached me and there's more to the backstory, but they approached me and they said, we'd like to be your first client. We believe in what you're doing. Um, and, and so that was like, Oh, my hallelujah moment, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, and, and that, that brand has since been sold to Pernod, but I still work with the people who started Avion they they have other uh, business interests now, and I'm still, they're, they're still clients. There's, and, and more importantly, they've become family, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's good. And, and that's the other thing too, is it's always, you know, I, again, not trying to say too much in this, in one segment, but it's like, you know, always be a man or woman of your word. Um, always follow through and keep those relationships positive, even when they end on a sour note. Don't let it be yeah. because of you. Don't don't hold that grudge. Uh, this is a small yeah. industry um, that people move around a lot, whether it's from bar to bar or brand to brand. Like you will encounter people again that you have worked with, and if the relationship yeah. was good, they're going to hire you back. If the relationship was bad. They're going to tell everyone. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you brought up a good point too about you know fostering relationships and and reaching out to people who have done what you want to do. And you know we're very lucky that we work in an industry where a lot of people are open books and willing to share and willing to mentor. Um, you know, and that wasn't always the case, but I do think that now that is the case for most people in leadership in this industry. And you know, uh, my business partner LP, like she just already knew Lynette Marrero and, you know, was hoping to find some mentorship and just went and asked, you know, it's sometimes all it takes is just asking the the question. Um, and yeah. there's just so many people with so much knowledge in our industry that are happy to share. Absolutely. Uh, you you have to take that chance. You ha- and again, it's, it's betting on yourself and having that confidence and, and, and knowing that you deserve a seat at that table, you know, um, mm-hmm. you might not deserve the head of the table, but you work your way around the table until you get there, you know? And, uh, yeah. and again, I think attitude is, is paramount, you know, just, just trying to, to be positive and stay positive. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of negativity in our industry right now. Um, that, uh, that I, I, I think a lot of it is even warranted. I'm not, I'm not speaking against it. I just, I'd love to find more productive ways to, deal with it. And that's starting to happen. Groups like what you guys are doing, um, Full of Health. There's a few other organizations that have, have popped up in recent days. But rather than just throwing out some random tweet or posting in an industry group your frustration, like, let's, let's, let's not make it about that. Let's not even let it get to that point. Um, yeah, let's, let's try and let's try and have these talks and these discussions, um, you know, in real time. And I think honestly, you know, when you when you look back, it's like it makes sense that a lot of the issues that we're seeing now, whether it be um, between gender or, um, you know, uh, uh, race or just getting equal footing and equal representation in the industry. Uh, it, it's almost like that didn't happen earlier because there was this like cocktail renaissance and there was so much green space that it was like a land grab. Mm-hmm. Like all you had to do was like take a classic cocktail recipe and change the base spirit and you were getting written up in a magazine. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and that was it for a while. And then what happened is more and more people entered the, the profession and, and the industry and less and less opportunities came up. And so, so yes, then it becomes more about, well, Hey, 
are the right people getting the right jobs? Are, are, are we seeing people treated fairly? Are we, these weren't, they weren't issues that were even thought about before because I think there was so much upside for a lot of people at that time. Um, mm-hmm. But now it's like, this is where we have to do. We do have to self-reflect. We do have to look back. Um, and things that like what Ashton Berry is doing. And, you know, I'm, I'm so inspired uh, by a lot of what I'm seeing out there that I, I, it makes me want to get involved in any way I can, you know? Um, so she's just, I'm always in awe of her tenacity and, and her willingness to speak up, even if people aren't going to like what they're, what she's going to say, you know, I'm, I was just telling her that the other day, how inspiring I think she is. Yeah. I mean, I, I 100% agree. And I think that, that she's due every bit of the accolades that she's earning right now. And I, I don't think that that's even what drives her. I, I, I see her as genuinely driving uh, for positive change. And uh, again, it's, it's, yeah. it's inspiring. So, Absolutely. Well, I have one more question uh, for you before we wrap it up. And it was, you know, uh, we've, we've kind of flirted around this, this topic a little bit over the last 25-ish minutes. But one of the topics that you threw my way for discussion was the pros and cons of working for a huge multinational supplier uh, like you did with Pernow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, when the, when closures first happened back in March, you know, I think a lot of us probably had that like, oh shit moment of like, wow, I don't have nearly as much job security as I thought I did. Um, I never would have imagined that my bar would close, Um, you know, and then you kind of had a couple of months to be like, oh, well, like maybe I, should I be looking into doing something different, you know? And like, obviously, you know, I, you know, even I was like, maybe I should be trying to get some kind of job where I have like a reliable salary and all of that. And, um, you know, I guess I would love to hear kind of your thoughts on the pros and cons. I've, I thought about it a little too, you know, like obviously getting to travel and see all these amazing places on your company's time would be like the best perk of the job. Um, but there's so much more that I think a lot of us don't even think about when you think about realistically what the pros or cons are of that kind of job. Oh man, where do I begin? That's a, that's tricky. I mean, you know, the obvious pros are, uh, in, in many cases, job security, you've got good, good benefits. If you get the right job, there's perks like an expense account and travel and things like that. Um, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I enjoyed my time with Pernod Ricard even prior to Pernod, you know, I was with Absolute Spirits Company. It was Absolute Vodka and Plymouth Gin uh, that Pernod ended up buying. That's how I got, you know, put into the fold at Pernod. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to like the smaller family-owned or privately held companies a little bit better. They tend to be more uh, pro-employee, whereas you start to yeah. work with some of these big multinational companies that are traded on stock exchanges um, it becomes about the shareholder and less about the people that are, are driving yeah. business. Um, and well, that brings up uh, one of the things that I had, you know, thought about, which is like learning new skills, like communicating in a corporate world. Um, that's very different than managing a bar for a lot of us yeah. who like, you know, work for locally owned bars and restaurants. And the, and you know, the like- good companies will do that, though. The good companies will provide that training. That's another pro. I should put that in the pro column. Um, and it's something mm-hmm. that I prided myself in as well, like to get uh, our ambassadors up to speed, to have 
them trained in things like public speaking. I even worked with the Moth, which is this famed storytelling group. And every single one of my ambassadors, when I ran the ambassadors at Pernod, had to go through this storytelling program. Um, because I, that's so yeah, cool. I feel like that's so important. I went so far myself as to take improv lessons, um, you know, with the Upright Citizen Brigade in, in, in New York City uh, to kind of keep challenging myself and keep pushing myself. And then there was, um, you know, going to Cornell or they have like, you know, at, uh, administrative or business programs that, you know, you can go and take a couple day mm -hmm. workshop um, at some of these major universities and, you know, the co the company will send people to those as well. Again, it's it, like you said, it's about raising your hand and saying you're interested in, and in, in proving that you do want to move forward. Um, so those are all positive things. There, there, there's a lot. A lot of that's online now too, though. So a lot of that you can be doing for yourself without working for mm -hmm. a big company. Because when you get to that big company, you know you lose a little bit about your you lose a little bit of yourself. Um, and I'm seeing that yeah. more and more, especially as you see some of our friends in this business that are forced to post certain pre-market prefab marketing campaign jargon on their Instagram pages um, or, or they had to change their name to, you know, whiskey yeah. ambassador, Joe, you know, and um, yeah. uh, my thing has always been, and I have gotten flack for this from, from some people, but you should always be 51% yourself. You should always be working towards building your personal brand because that company is fluid, right? You're, you are, you, you are the only consistent thing. Once that job evaporates or that company goes under, or you get laid off because there's budget cuts because COVID cut volume and shares and all that stuff, like you're going to be left, you know, less of the person that you were before. So make sure that you're taking yourself along on that journey and build your personal brand so that you have something tangible when a you're ready to move on or b you're forced to move on. That's, that's, I think the most yeah. important thing, because inside those those big companies, there's a lot of infighting. There's a lot of struggle. There's a lot of push for budget. There's a lot of backstabbing. There's a lot of he said, she said. There's a lot of these things that happen, and you'll get caught in the landslide. Part of my job at Pernod Ricard was fighting to maintain the relevance of the ambassador program because the sales division wanted the entire budget just to put back into pricing, right? And it's like they, they didn't mm -hmm. see the value of these bodies of of personifying these brands, of extending these relationships, uh, you know, uh, across the bar. Um, and, and that changes, too, because it all depends on who's in, in charge and leadership and leadership at these big companies changes every three to five years. You know, so right. you're in you're in for a, a rocky road if if you uh, if you don't believe that the only thing constant is change <laughs> and that you have to be prepared for that. Right. So, you know, that's, yeah. that's one of those things. Um, but other than that, I mean, it was a good experience. I learned so much. I wouldn't even be opposed to going back on the corporate side one day if that's where things took me. In fact, one thing I'd like to do while I've, while I've got the microphone is I'd like to give a shout out to uh, a brand that I've been working on that, I, that I've been helping to develop and that I'm a partner in. It's called Terramana Tequila. Um, and that's, that's, uh, it's owned by um, a, little, a lesser known person uh, known as The Rock or Dwayne Johnson. Um, <laughs> yeah, that? Right? they call me little pebble I'm sure right uh, no uh -huh. but but <laughs> it's it's this journey that I've been on um, for the last couple years now to help develop this product to help this kid and to see it done right and to see it because you know it, it, and I, I am making my pitch here it's like a lot of celebrity brands get a lot of flack because 
those people are spokespeople or they invest in the brand or they're paid for their endorsement. Um, and I just want to make sure that everyone knows, and I use this platform to tell everyone that that's not how Terramana was developed. We actually went from the bottom up approach where Dwayne Johnson is the owner. He owned it. He started it. It was his idea. Every decision goes through him. Um, he's, mm -hmm. he's that hands-on. He's not just a guy posting on Instagram or, or posing for billboard ads or anything like that. Like, like I actually have, there've been times where I've created cocktails and he's changed the name because, because he liked, he liked <laughs> the name better or he wanted it to be, you know, more reflective of him or whatever it was. And so yeah. um, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing now. And again, I'm doing all this and, 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 and to kind of tie it all back into work-life balance, you know, in, in July, I got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. Um, and you put that on top of COVID uh, and my world just changed. Right. And I'm so glad now yeah. that I'm home and not in a New York and not with a big company that I can spend all this time with my family because I don't know how much time I have left. You know, I'm, I'm just being honest. Like I, I went to, you know, my first, my first doctor visit, I literally got the talk of like, you should start getting your affairs in order. Um, and I I've made it my mission to fight this thing tooth and nail. And part of that fight is a, the support I've received from the industry, which is so, so helpful and so appreciated. And I can't tell you how many times I've cried. Um, but also, uh, to keep my head down and work when I can, you know, um, it keeps me yeah. focused and it keeps me driven. And to have brands like Terramana and people that, you know, that trust in me to still deliver, even though you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this battle for my life, uh, you know, that, that human connection and those bonds, that's, that's what it's all about. That's what I hope we all keep striving for. Again, realizing that it's not just about us or that one person or what, what we've done or the awards that we've won. It's, it's about being part of something bigger than that. And I, I, I love the industry that I'm in. I love the people that I'm able to engage with and support and interact with. Um, and I honestly, I, I wouldn't change any of that for the world. So. Thank you so much for your, you know, vulnerability and your, your willingness to share, um, I hope that uh, we all can embody a little bit more of that in, in our lives as we move forward. And I really appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you having me on the show. And I, I'm such a big fan of what you and LP are doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm here to support you and cheer you on uh, indefinitely. So keep, keep doing what you're Thank doing. Thank you. <laughs> we really appreciate that. Okay. Uh, well, I wanted to make sure that, um, that I mentioned to everybody listening that um, if they would like to support you and your family that they can go to mover and shaker to buy the iHeart Patino hat, which is super awesome. Um, or if they don't want a hat, they can just go to another round, another rally um, to donate directly uh, to the campaign for funds for you. And I know that you would never bring that up. So that's why I'm bringing it up. Um, <laughs> well, well, funny <laughs> now that you've brought it up, <laughs> I'm working on another initiative along in that space where it's, uh, it's an idea that came to me. Um, and, and the website is this t-shirt fights cancer.com. Um, and awesome. that's, that's launching soon. And what that's going to be is there, there's going to be t-shirts that are kind of industry designed. I'm, I'm working with some friends and fellow bartenders to design t-shirts and we're going to sell them on this site. Um, and then some of the proceeds, yes, I'll keep, but then also, uh, some of the proceeds I'm going to be donating to um, PanCan, which is the Pan Pancreatic uh, Action Network. 
um, and 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 in an effort to awesome. kind of fight and raise awareness and just keep things moving because, you know, even beyond me, even in the days that I'm that I'm gone, I, I want to make sure that the the future is bright for other people who encounter this disease because it's it's it'll it, you know it, it's it's hard it's it's a hard fight and so I'm appreciative of the support and it's moved me to the point where I want to now support others so. Okay, that's amazing. Well, we actually are about to be putting out a FOH t-shirt. So maybe we can uh, Ooh, a, hop on a little board collab. Let's do it. Design yeah, let's yeah. Do it. Let's do it. Oh, I love Could that. Be. I know all people would love that too. So. Well, um, I like to wrap up the podcast with just some one thing a little more lighthearted and industry focused. Um, so if you could be anywhere in the world right now and having something to drink, alcoholic, non-alcoholic, doesn't matter. Um, where would you be and what would you have? Well, first of all, anyone who knows me knows that my heart belongs in New Orleans. Um, my time mm -hmm. living there, I've never felt more at home than when I've been there. Um, my dream is to end up back there one day uh, or, you know, at least I, I keep telling my wife, you know, it's like that, that's where you're going to have to scatter my ashes. Probably in the cemetery mm -hmm. uh, right across the street from Commander's Palace, uh, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and uh, I'm a pretty simple guy. Um, but I tell you, I, I love a Gibson, a 50-50 Gibson, um, you know. I've been craving yeah. a Gibson lately. I love that you said that's, that. Um, that's kind of oh, just man. the thing that uh, it's my before dinner, after work drink, you know. <laughs> that's kind of the thing. So oh. it's, it, 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 I'm going to have one of those on my Please do. Off. And I, I hope to be able to join you one day. Hopefully I get to a point in this battle that I can that I can imbibe a bit more again. Uh, responsibly, of course. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for joining today. I really, really enjoyed getting to chat and I appreciate your time so much. I know that you're so busy and have a lot going oh, on. Anything life, for so. you, Alex. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank All you. Right. This episode was brought to you by our wonderful sponsor, Most Imaginative Bartender. To learn more about the Most Imaginative Bartender competition and the Canvas project, go to mostimaginativebartender.punchdrink.com. Make sure to tune in every Monday for new episodes of Focus on Health, and don't miss No Proof with Joshua Gandy this coming Wednesday featuring special guest Josh Harris.